Blog Talk Radio. Truth. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtain. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. to uh, think about and 
and see what you think. Okay, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, Allah sends to this nation at the beginning of each century those who renew the religion. This is an authentic hadith and has enjoyed widespread acceptance among Muslims. Muslims believe that a Messiah-type figure, Imam Mahdi, will appear at a difficult period of history to restore the faith and ensure the final victory of Islam. That is out of the Sunan of Abi Duab, Duat. It's 4291. This is out of one of their holy books. Also, another thing out of their holy books that says, the awaited Imam Al-Mantazar, Madi Kalam, will prepare the earth for the last judgment and the resurrection. The battle of Kaim, sorry for my mispronunciation because, you know, a lot of these words are hard to say, will mark the ultimate victory of the believers against their enemies and the universal and final establishment of the religion of the imams. The community of the faithful is a familiar theme of all eschatology. Now, some of you are very, very familiar with Islam, and some of you are not. So forgive me if you are uh, very uh, astute in this subject and you've joined me today, but I want to go through a little bit of history for those of you who are unfamiliar with Islam, the origin of Islam, <coughs> excuse me, in, in secular, secular history, um, it can be traced back to the 7th century in Saudi Arabia. Now, Islam is thus the youngest of all the great world religions. That would be including Buddhism, Hinduism, and Christianity. It is the youngest, meaning that it came after Christianity. The prophet Muhammad came around 570 to 632 A.D. It introduced Islam in 610 A.D after experience what he claimed to be an angelic visitation. Muhammad dictated the Quran, uh, the holy book of Islam, which Muslims believe to be the pre-existent perfect words of Allah. Now, this this is uh, different than the scriptures. The Bible actually has a lot of authors and that we believe, as me as a Christian, believe that these scriptures are inspired by the God of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Jacob. Sorry, and we believe that it is also inspired. So, what is the difference between those two? Well, the difference is that we have lots of different people on five different continents, different positions, writing the scriptures. So, it kind of emphasizes that. All these people are saying the same thing. It can't possibly be man actually writing that scripture. But with the uh, holy books of Islam, it was Muhammad who was dictated these particular uh, holy books. The origin of Islam is generally accredited to the prophet Muhammad, but to the but to the devout Muslim, Islam began long before Muhammad ever walked the earth. And that's what they say. 
Now, the Quran was dictated by Muhammad, but according to the Quran, it did not originate with Muhammad. So, the, Muhammad was uh, the author, well, per se, of the Quran, but uh, it, the Quran itself com, uh, claims that it existed before Muhammad. The Quran testifies of itself that it was given by God through the angel Gabriel to the prophet Muhammad. This is a, and this is what it says. This is a revelation from the Lord of the universe. The honest spirit, Gabriel, came down with, with it to reveal it into your heart that you may be one of the warners in a perfect Arabic tongue. That's Thera 26, 192 through 195. Say, anyone who opposes Gabriel should know that he has brought down the Quran into your heart in accordance with God's will, confirming previous scriptures and providing guidance and good news for the believers. That's out of Sarah 2.97. The or origin of Islam is controversial. The previous scriptures mentioned uh, that I just mentioned to you are, are the huge um, above. <clears throat> are somewhat out of the Hebrew Torah, the Psalms of David, and the Gospels of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Sirah 4, 163, 5, 44, and 48. And what they're saying here is that uh, they believe that this, the Quran is saying about itself that it is an, a continuation of what the Bible actually says. The Quran accepts these books as divinely inspired and even encourages us to test the claims in these previous scriptures. Now, previous is a big word because you'll, we'll find out later why previous makes a big difference uh, to Islam. Previous scriptures don't have as much uh, authority as the ones that follow. If you have any doubt regarding what is revealed to you from the Lord, then ask those who read the previous scripture, Surah 1094. But this is where we run into the problem. The problem is that the Quran thoroughly contradicts the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels. For example, the Quran explicitly denies Jesus Christ's crucifixion in Surah 4, 157-58, while all the four Gospel accounts clearly portray Jesus Christ as crucified and resurrected. They do not. One contradiction contradiction in particular has caused a great deal of conflict between Muslims and ethnic Jews and is thought to have been <clears throat> and continues to be the cause of much bloodshed in the Middle East. According to the Hebrew Torah, God made a covenant with a, new, a man named Abraham. God promised Abraham's child through whom he would fulfill the covenant, the third of promise, Genesis 15. Now, Abraham was at that time childless. His wife Sarah was barren. This, of course, made the promise very special to Abraham, but it would require nothing less than a miracle. Sarah, conscious of her condition, decided to help God out. She offered her maid servant Hagar to Abraham with the hope that Hagar might conceive and bear a child of promise. Abraham agreed to take Hagar as his concubine. She conceived and bore Ishmael in Genesis 16. God allowed Ishmael to be born, but Ishmael was not the child of the promise God had in mind in Genesis 17. God prom promised a child through Sarah, not Hagar. 
And that's in 17 and 18. And in due time, God fulfilled his promise. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son whom he bore to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, in Genesis 21, 1 through 3. Now, Isaac was the child of promise. Isaac later begot Jacob the father of the 12 tribes Israel and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, eventually came into the world through the nation of Israel, fulfilling the covenant which God had made with Abraham. God also promised to give the land of Canaan, Palestine, to Isaac's descendants and the land with which Israel possesses today. Now, the problem is that the Quran teaches that Ishmael was the child of promise in Surah 1954. And then you also can compare Surah S-U-R-A, 37-83-1, with Genesis 22-1-19. And so Muslims believe that God's covenant promise was meant for Ishmael's descendants, not Isaac's. Muhammad descended from Ishmael, and so Muslims seek to lay claim to these covenant promises, namely the land of Palestine. Since Israel's UN sanction returned to Palestine in 1948, there has been unceasing hostility between Israel and her Arab neighbors, with major armed conflicts in 1948 and 1949, 1956, 1973, through 74, and 1982. That Israel remains today is a, is a miracle and of itself. So there's been a conflict with the land, and we see this conflict. Now, all Bible prophecy is going to focus on Israel. And so when you interpret Bible prophecy, you're going to look at Israel as the focal point in everything around it that includes uh, involvement with Israel. Now, in light of Bible prophecy, a battle between the sons of Isaac and the sons of Ishmael makes sense as God's final chapters of history conclude. So it is no surprise that this conflict is now taking center stage. So if we are in the end times, like we feel we are, then the problems that we are seeing in, in Palestine, in the Middle East, uh, coming to the center stage is not surprising. Now, whenever the, whenever the origin of Islam is discussed, one question in particular tends to arise. Are the God, is the God of the Quran and the God of the Bible one and the same? This is a question that a lot of people ask. And the answer is absolutely not. This is, when you study Islam and you study Christianity and you put the Bible and the Quran next to each other, you're going to find out that the God that is, is in Islam is not the God of the Bible. And there are some sects today, especially the mystical side of Islam and the mystical side of Christianity, if you ever, if there ever, ever is such a thing that we can actually conclude that mysticism is anywhere a part of the Christian experience, they would conclude that, uh, uh, that the God of the Quran and the God of the Bible is, are one and the same. But they will also conclude a lot of other things, too. But we're not going to go there today because we have a lot to talk about and cover. Now, it is a common misconception that uh, these two are the same, but they are not. 
The misconception stems from the fact that many biblical characters seem to appear in the Quran, Abraham being a significant example. But the truth is, while the Quran uses the names of biblical characters to describe Quranic figures, they certainly are not the same historical figures. And the God of the Bible is by no means the God of the Quran. The God of the Bible is a God who expresses himself in three persons, God, Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods working in unison. One God expressed in three persons. Other examples include the Quran's denial of Christ's unique sonship. The Quran condemns the title of Son of God in Surah 4, 171 and 930. It, it further denies Christ's deity, Surah 5, 17, 75. And his pre-incarnate existence, meaning that he existed before uh, he came to earth. Surah 3, 59-60. The Bible, on the other hand, calls Jesus the Son of God on many occasions. And we have all kinds of scriptures I can give you. But it's so many that I don't have time to even read them. It affirms his pre-incarnate existence in Isaiah 9, 6 and Micah 5, 2. And held him as God incarnate in John 1, 1 through 3, 14, 8, 58, continue, continue, continue. There's actually 201 verses that, 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 or a little bit more than that, that will talk about God and Jesus as the Trinity. And a lot of people don't know that, that uh, the Trinity is far easier to prove being in the Bible than uh, we could imagine. It's not as easy to explain, but it is easy to prove that it's there and that the that God does introduce himself and reveal himself as one God in three persons. Now we have seen the history of Islam as we've seen the history of Islam can be traced back to the prophet Muhammad, a man who professed to proclaim a revelation from God, a revelation which was supposed to confirm and supersede the previous scriptures. This is so important. Previous scriptures are not does not have as much authority as the current scriptures. For example, we as Christians look back in historical documents to confirm the the authorship and the accuracy of the scriptures. And the older they are, the more authentic and the more that we can trust them. Now, it's the opposite for the Quran. Those scriptures that are said before do not have as much authority. So the ones that are said after that actually nullify or can nullify the scriptures that were said before. So when people talk about Islam as being peaceful, most of the peaceful scriptures that are talked about are actually uh, in the beginning of the scripture of the Quran. Many of these verses that are said to be peaceful are actually trumped by a uh, jihadist or a violent scripture and most people don't know that so uh, you have to keep that in mind when you read the Quran and you hear uh, some of the their their holy uh, verses and as we've seen the Quran thoroughly contradicts those previous scriptures and you know and, and that's why they can say two different things at the same time because it doesn't matter if if it contradicts, it just uh, it means, well, you need to hear what was said last. How do Muslims reconcile these contradictions? 
system? Well, they don't. They don't have to. And rather than throw off the Quran, they prefer to throw off the previous scripture instead. The claim is that somehow the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels were lost or corrupted beyond recognition, and that the books which we have today, which bear the names Torah, Psalms, and Gospels, are clever forgeries. Essentially, the Quran takes its authority from the Bible, it contradicts the Bible, and therefore turns around and undermines the authority of the Bible. It's an interesting paradox. Those who pledge allegiance to the Quran do so believing that it must correspond with the Torah and the Psalms, the Gospels, because that is what it says of itself. Then they turn around and deny the Torah and the Psalms and the Gospels because the Quran contradicts them. It's interesting that the Bible, there is nowhere in the Bible that God says this is his word. Well, says Jesus is the word. But it doesn't, you don't, you don't find a scripture that says read my the Bible because this is God's word spoken to you. When you read it, you hear it as God's word. Thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This is what I say. Listen to me. Follow my decrees. Cling to me. So you hear those things. You don't hear, well, this is my word that is inspired by God, God given to by the holy angel. Experiences are said in the scripture, but not the actual book itself. And the Quran does do that a lot. Now, other significant discrepancies include the Quran mistaking Jesus' mother Mary for Moses' sister Miriam, claiming that Mary and Moses and Aaron's sister the child of Amram is a child of Amram, Sarah 3, 35 through 48, and 19, 27 through 28. Despite the 1,500 plus years which separate the two, they claim that the Samaritans sculpted the golden calf at the foot of Sinai, Sarah 20, 85 and 88, despite the fact that the Samaritans didn't come into existence until several hundred years after the Exodus, at which time the calf was made. And that was that you could find in Exodus 32, 1 through 4. Now, in Islam, I just, you know, I'm not going to go through all the 12 imams. There are 12 imams in uh, Islam, and uh, they are the ones that are considered more than a prophet. They are the prophet, but they are the ones that are actually. Uh, almost close to God themselves. They are the teachers and the leaders that we must follow, or the, those who believe in the Quran must follow. Those are the, the uh, ones that are carrying the truth. Those are the ones that are never wrong. And some are considered infallible. Now, there are 12 of them. I won't, you know, and, and I can't even read their names, so I'm not even going to try to go there. But I can say this about them that every imam leads to the last imam. I'll give you a little short history of the five pillars plus one. Now listen to that, five pillars plus one. So there's actually really six pillars of Islam. And the first one is the faith or belief in the oneness of God and the finality of the prophethood of Muhammad. And the, the imams are said to be descendants of Muhammad, and so they carry that much much authority. Number two is the establishment of daily prayers. The second pillar is concern for the almsgiving to the needy. Four is self-purification through fasting, and five, 
pilgrimage to Mecca for those who are able. One, to, to go in that just slightly, I'm going to say there is no, you know, the, the imam or faith, there is, um, let me check the time, see how much time I have. I'm not sure if I want to go into each one of these. I can, um, but it will take away some time that I have to talk about the, the topic in which I'm talking about. But there is one, um, one uh, pillar that is never talked about that much, but we have to talk about it today because it's a very uh, prevalent today and very par much part of the coming of the last imam. The last pillar, or the sixth pillar, is jihad. And the jihad is to usher in the last, or the final, al-Mahdi. Um, al this is the last or the 12th Imam, who is going to bring peace to the earth. Well, we'll talk about him, and you'll get to know what they're looking for and why the current things are happening today. It's amazing that we live in this time, that we can see the fulfillment of, of Scripture, not only the fulfillment of Scripture, but we can see the struggle between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac. Now, Islam is not really Ishmaelites, even though Muhammad is part of that. Uh, Muhammad came a lot, long time later, so Ishmael is not really a Muslim, even though they would like to say he is just because he is from that line of Abraham. Now, jihad is an obligation from Allah, and I got this online, and it explains uh, all Muslims must make jihad, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share this with you. Jihad is an obligation from Allah on on every Muslim, and cannot be ignored or evaded. Allah has ascribed great importance to jihad, and has made the reward of the martyrs and the fighters in His way a splendid one. Only those who have acted similarly and who have modeled themselves upon the martyrs in their performance of jihad can join them in this reward. Furthermore, Allah has specifically honored the Majuhidin being now, those of you who are really good at saying these words are going to laugh at me or you're going to scream at me because I'm not very good at pronouncing these words. With certain exceptional qualities, now, both spiritual and practical, to benefit them in this world and the next. Their pure blood is a symbol of victory in this world and the mark of success and felicity to the world to come. Those who can only find excuses, however, have been warned of extremely dreadful punishments, and Allah has described them with the most unfortunate of names. He has reprimanded them for their cowardice and lack of spirit and castigated them from their weakness and and truancy. In this world, they will be surrounded by dishonor, and in the next, they will be surrounded by fire from which they shall not escape through, though they may possess much wealth. The weaknesses of abstention and evasion of jihad are regarded by Allah as one of the major sins and one of the seven sins that guarantee failure. So you can see how jihad plays a huge role and I don't really understand why they don't actually put that as one of their pillars, but it is. Uh, when you 
you uh, see what they say about it and how important it is. But here are some scriptures, or do I dare call them scriptures? Uh, these are some verses from the Quran on jihad. And I'm going to read a few of these. We'll see um, how, how much I can read. But jihad is ordained for you Muslims, though you dislike it. And it may be that you dislike something which is good for you and you like something which is bad for you. Allah knows, but you do not know. Surat the Baqarah. Um, and I'm not going to read where they're out of. They're just out of the scriptures. Most of them are out of the Surat. Uh, uh, different the Anfil, the Nisay, the Ayah. But I see I'm gonna I am gonna actually uh, do Islam a disfavor by saying all these. But these are out of their uh, scriptures. O oh, you who believe, be not like those who disbelieve, hypocrites, and do say to their brethren when they travel through the earth to go out to fight. If they have stayed with us, they would not have died or been killed. So that uh, so that Allah may, may make it a cause of regret in their hearts. It is Allah that gives life life and causes death. And Allah is austere or of what you do. And if you you are killed or you die in the way of Allah, forgiveness and mercy from Allah are far better than all that they amass of worldly wealth, etc. So if you get killed and you have great wealth, well, it's not as great as uh, what Allah would give you for doing that. And whether you die or are killed fairly unto Allah, you shall be gathered. You shall have eternity. Seventy-two virgins waiting those who are killed for Allah in jihad. Think not that those who are killed in the way of Allah as dead. Nay, they are alive with the Lord and they have provision. They rejoice in what Allah has bestowed upon them as his bounty, rejoicing for the sake of those who have not yet joined them but are left behind, not yet martyred, that on them no fear shall come, nor shall they grieve. Now, for uh, every Islam, they do not know whether or not they're going to have eternity in bliss with Allah because they have to weigh out their good and their bad. So, uh, jihad and being martyred is like a free ticket to to uh, eternal paradise. Another script, another uh, verse says, "Let those believers who shall sell the fire of this world for the hereafter fight in the cause of Allah, and who whosoever fights in the cause of Allah and is killed or is victorious, we shall bestow on him a great reward." Another, against them, make ready for your strength to, to the utmost of your power, including steeds of war, to strike terror into the hearts of the enemies of Allah and your enemies. Fight against them so that Allah will punish them by your hands and disgrace them and give you victory over them and return calmness in the hearts of the believing people, thus relieving their anxiety. Allah accepts the repentance of of whom he wills. Allah is all-knowing, all-wise. And who is his enemies? First of all, Israel is the great Satan, or the, the small Satan, and we are the great Satan, the United States. And that's where I'm talking from. So the great Satan is, is America for uh, supporting Israel, and Israel is the uh, small Satan. And the, they are biggest en enemies of Islam. So when they say enemies, it means Christians and Jews. 
Fight against those who believe not in Allah, nor in the last day, nor forbid that which has been forbidden by Allah and his messenger and those who acknowledge not the region, religion of truth, Islam, that would be Islam, from among the people of the book until they pay the jizza with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. Now there was a tax that, that Islam would put on countries and peoples who they conquer would have to give them a tax of money to, to buy their life. But the messenger and those who believed with him strove hard and fought with their wealth and their lives in Allah's cause. The good things are for those these people, and it, it is they who will be successful. For them, Allah has got ready the gardens, paradise, under which rivers flow to dwell therein forever. That is a supreme success. So, these are scriptures, or I'm sorry for saying scriptures, but verses out of the Quran that support jihad and that paradise will follow uh, killing the enemies, destroying, going to war, producing havoc on those who do not believe in Allah. It is a, it is a message of the sword. So what about 2012? Is the world, is the last imam predicted in the Quran to come in 2012? Is it assumed? Is he actually going to come? Well, I went online and I found a website that had actually somebody asking this question. And it was to Imam Mustafa Umar who answered this person's question. So here's the question. The life and death of the planet Earth by astrophysics, Donald Brownlee, and palmetologist Peter Ward. Uh, now these two men are saying, and you have to forgive the, the English in this because they don't uh, speak English, either one of them, but it is being written in English, English unless they just translated it. So it might sound a little bit funny. Uh, Allah says, now these two men are saying, uh, that the world will, will end sometime in 2012. Allah says in the Quran that only he knows when the world will end. These men are saying that their calculations are based on the Mayan calendar. The calendar has been used to predict the future before also, and so far it has only been, been 43 seconds off. Is there anything in the Quran that agrees with the matter? I need some reassurance because I want to get it off my head. It's bothering me a lot. Now, Imam Mustafa Umar answers his questions and, and says, and then Imam Allah, the compassionate, the merciful. And he goes on to say, it's so great for you to come and talk to me. You're asking the right person. You didn't go to somebody who didn't know. You went to somebody who who is of the same faith, and you're asking the right questions. So, uh this is what he actually said. The stance on the Quran on this issue is clear from the following verse. Now, I want before I read, I wanted to let you know that there is a lot of controversy in this subject. I went on Facebook and there is a actual debate on whether the Imam is here, and there was more within that line of. Uh, 
conversation that actually believe the imam is alive and will be here in 2012, or that now that it, the time is um, coming, that they are preparing for the rise of Islam. And I'm, if I have time, I'm going to share some of those with you, some of those comments. But this is what he said. Okay, they ask you, Prophet, about the end of the world, saying, when will it be? How can you tell them that? It's in Its time is known only to your Lord. You are only to warn those who fear it. So, and that's the Quran, 79, 42 through 45. So, they asked the prophet about the end of the world. And the prophet actually is saying, only the Lord knows. And go and warn those who actually fear it. There's more to that, though. Because, actually, uh, a lot of them know that the date is not exact, but the time might be. The point is, and he goes on to say, the point is that when Allah says that something is known only to the Lord, it means that it is something that cannot be discovered by man, such as a person's lifespan. Many people try to predict a number of things. All of these things remind us of how far we really are from Allah's knowledge. As for using the Maya calendar, we need to stop and think about a number of things. First, how many predictions did they make? Second, what were their predictions about? Third, what was the accuracy in all of their predictions and why they aren't being used as mainstream evidence? Which, when I look at uh, the other shows that I've done, the Maya calendar is being more and more used by a lot of people. A lot of people might be disappointed in a couple of years, not even a couple of years. It's getting quite quite close. And those who are putting their faith in the Mayan calendar, which includes New Age, it includes a, a, a lot of uh, religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, even the Buddhists that don't believe that there's going to be actually end of life, either do Hindus, but except for escaping my nirvana, but they think there's some kind of catastrophic, catastrophic thing or enlightenment about that. Anyway, fourth, where did they get this knowledge? We must be very critical of people who claim to know the future. And this is Mustafa speaking, Umar. Most people who make such a claim are frauds, while the others are merely guessing. It's like horoscopes, which are written in such a general way that people think they can actually tell the future when when in reality they, they don't. They shouldn't be fooled by such things, even if they are packed and presented in the name of science. Science is a very useful tool, but is often misused and twisted to fit a certain agenda or just to sell a book. When all is said and done, remember that just because the sun has risen from the east for millions of years doesn't mean that Allah can't change it tomorrow and make it rise from the west. We must... Remember that just as our own lives are in the hands of Allah, so is the life of the world. And he can end it whenever he likes. May Allah allow us to utilize our limited lives with what pleases him before our time is up. Now, those are key things that he has said. He has said, may Allah allow us to utilize our limited lives with what pleases him before our time is up and that he can change things whenever he wants. And as we are told in the scriptures, we're told to watch. We don't know the day and the hour. So 
are those in Islam. There's to watch, but they're to do one more step. They're actually to push toward toward becoming of Imam Mahdi. When they see these signs, when they start to see the rumblings, they are to actually push forward and go forth to conquer and to make chaos in order to bring him in. What is the Twelfth Imam? According to Islamic belief, an Imam is an anointed leader or ruler, especially among the Shia beliefs. An Imam is thought required to be be a prayer leader or a cleric when the word is casualized. Sunnis too believe an Imam may be a prophet. Shiites believe that all prophets can be an imam, but an imam can also be a prophet. An imam is said to be anointed by Allah and a perfect example of leading mankind in every way. The Shiite interpretation is that only Allah can appoint an imam, and no man has the power to do it. The twelfth imam is said to be a descendant of the prophet Muhammad, having divine status as did each of the succession of sons. The twelfth imam is also called the hidden imam and the Mahdi, which means guided one. Now within the Shiite, which is predominant in Iran, it is prophesied that there is is coming the twelfth imam who is the great spiritual savior. This imam is named Abu al-Qasim Muhammad, or also called uh, Muhammad al-Mahdi. He is said to have been born the son of the 11th Imam, Hassan al-Askari, and his wife, the granddaughter of, the, of an emperor. There are conflicting statements on her um, being either Fatima or Nagis Khatun. Most accounts of the story say that al-Mahdi went into hiding as a child around the age of five years, about 13th century. He was five years old and went into hiding. It's said he has been in hiding in caves ever since, but will supernaturally return just before the Day of Judgment. Now, take that into great consideration, just before the Day of Judgment. He doesn't come to bring judgment. He comes just before the Day of Judgment. According to the Hadith, the criteria for the hidden imam are, one, he will be a descendant of Muhammad and the Sarama. Two, will have a broad forehead and pointed nose. Three, will return just before the end of the world. Four, his appearance will be preceded by a number of prophetic events during three years of horrendous world chaos, tyranny, and oppression. Five, will escape from Medina to Mecca. Thousands will pledge allegiance to him. Six will rule over the Arabs and the world for seven years. Now, where do we hear that? We hear that the um, Antichrist is going to come and reign for seven years. Quite interesting. Uh, Seven, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, will eradicate all tyranny and oppression, bringing harmony and total peace will lead a prayer in Mecca, which Jesus will be at his side and follow in this prayer. Jesus is going to follow the Mahdi. Remarkably, the 12th Imam theory plays heavily into the world's current concerns with Iran. The Shiite Muslim president of Iran, Ahmadinejad, is deeply committed to the Islamic Messiah, al-Mahdi. 
There have been many through the years claiming to be the hidden imam, but Ahmadinejad believes he is yet to come. He claims that he is to, be, to personally prepare for the coming Mahdi. In order to save the world, it must be in a state of chaos and subjection. Ahmadinejad claims he was directed by Allah to pave the way for the glorious reappearance of the Mahdi. This apocalyptic directive includes some very scary proclamations. While Christians look for Jesus' second coming, the Jews, the Messiah, and the Muslims await for the Twelfth Imam. Now, however, of the three, Allah's designated Mahdi is the only one who demands a violent path to conquer the world. Mr. Ahmadinejad and his cabinet say that they have a signed contract with al-Mahdi in which they pledge themselves to his work. What does his work involve? In light, in light of the concern over Iran's nuclear capabilities, Mohammad Ahmadinejad has reportedly stated Israel should be wiped off the map. He spoke to the United Nations in September 05. During that speech, he claims to have been in in an aura of light and felt a change in the atmosphere during which time no one present could blink their eyes. Iran's prime minister is also said to, to have spoken in apocalyptic terms and seems to relish con conflict with the West, whom he calls the great Satan. This is while he proclaims he must prepare the world for the coming Mahdi by way of world totality under Muslim control. He is working hard to bring about the worldwide horrors that must be in place for their Almadi to bring peace. This notion and goal, along with a, with a violent hatred of infidels in America and Israel, reminds us of biblical prophecies of the coming Antichrist and the pledges of millions to, be, to a deceiving false messiah who will claim to bring peace. Could this 12th Imam, Mahdi, and his servant Ahmadinejad spark the last days of the coming true Savior? Now, you put that in light. This is in 2005 when he was claiming a lot of this, for, you know, publicly addressing it. Now it's 2011, and what is happening in our world? Egypt, Libya, predicted to have more countries fall in, in the Middle East. This is... This is part of the chaos in which they're supposed to stir up to bring the peaceful arrival or the not really the peaceful arrival to bring the chaotic arrival of the al-Mahdi who will thus then bring peace to this chaos okay Muhammad Abin al-Hassan al-Mahdi is the full name and uh he is known. He is believed by twelver Shia Muslims to be the Mahdi, and ultimate savior of humankind, and the final Imam of the twelve Imams. Twelver Shia believe that Al Mahdi was born in excuse me, in sixty-nine, and did not die; rather, was hidden by God. Now, this is referred to the occult cultation, and will later emerge with Issa. He will emerge with Issa. You know who Issa is. Issa is Jesus. And uh, he, is, he is to emerge with him. 
and in order to fulfill their mission, their mission, now listen, their mission of bringing peace and justice to the world. He assumed the imamate at five years of age, and then some Shiite schools do not consider Ibn al-Hassan to be the Mahdi, though the mainstream sect, Twelvers, do. And you can, you know, uh, so the occult, what is occultation? Uh, in Shia Islam, it refers to a belief that the Masonic figure al-Mahdi, who is Shia thought, um, who is in Shia thought, is an infallible male descendant of the founder of Islam, Muhammad, was born but disappeared and will one day return and fill the world with justice. Some Shias, such as the Zadi and the Nazari Ishmali, do not believe in the idea of acculturation. The groups that do believe in it differ on the succession of the, the moment and therefore which individuals is in occultation. The hidden imam is still considered to be the imam of the time, to hold authority over the community and to guide and protect individuals and the Shia community. And the 12th imam is believed to have been uh, <clears throat> the son uh, of the 11th, Asher, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Imam al-Ashur, the imam of the age. Okay. The Sunnis claim that he never existed or that he died while he was still a child. So there's the Shias and the Sunnis have been divided from the very beginning, and they have different thought streams. And I don't want to get into the differences yet, but next week when we talk about uh, the prophets of Islam, are we listening to them, uh, I will explain those differences. So we'll skip that for now, and you just hear what actually this imam is supposed to do. Okay, <clears throat> and you can see that that the history is in Baghdad, in in Iraq, in Iran, and some of the surrounding places. The Samarra is a, is of interest to Muslims and is a, a famous place of Shia pilgrimage. This city is located in Iraq. It's 125 kilometers north of Baghdad and lies on the east bank of the, Euphrates, the Tigris River. Several times, the ancient city of Samarra has been destroyed and rebuilt. It is the burial site of Imam Ali al-Naikik, the 10th Imam, and the Imam Hassan Askari, the 11th Imam. There is also a famous basement there, which is said to be the place where the 12th Imam of the Shia, Imam Mahdi, may God hasten his renewed manifestation, went into occultation. The mosque of the last imam is Hela marks the place of his expected reappearance. Now the authority under which jihad is waged is at once both religious and political. Historically, the unification of religious and political authority has more often than not remained an unrealized ideal. Exactly when the ideal has been realized and what to do when it is not are two central points of controversy within the Islamic world. After the occultation of the 12th Imam, the issues of education and training uh, are in Islamic law, Sharia, and the spiritual path, Tariqah, became separated. The Shia, for the most part, have argued that no offense 
offensive jihad can be launched during the period of the occultation of the 12th Imam because of the absence of the legitimate unified religious and political authority to do so. So what is what is being said here is that the Islamic world needs to come together and unite together. There should not be any divisions among them. They need to be able to come together to bring in this last imam. And once they work together to bring about chaos and uh, Islamic law into practice, then they can uh, see the appearance or the occultation of, of um, the imam. The reappearance of the imam in human society after the major occultation is not for the purpose of delivering any new message, nor any alteration in the system of human life, not already provided for or implied in the Holy Quran and the Sunnah. So what is it for? Well, his appearance is, is as the chosen executor of the divine law. He reappears with the sole purpose of reducing all religions of the world into one approved by God, namely Islam. And then, seeing that it is extended throughout the world and practiced by every human being. So that is the whole purpose of of the last Madin, the last Imam. is not any new revelation. It's not any new scriptures. It is to be the ex- uh, executor or the you know execute the law, and those who are not following the Quran will be destroyed or or Islam. He reappears to spread justice prescribed by Islam now the kind of justice that Islam prescribes is Sharia, which we know is quite violent all over the globe and he, and that is their whole point is to make it all over the globe. And and you can see in our day, can you see in our day that this is happening? This is what they're doing. How are they doing it in Europe? This is how they're doing it, I'll tell you. They're using the democratic system. They're transposing themselves. They're moving there, and they're having lots of children. And their children grow up, and their children vote, and their children will then take over. And in that system, they'll use whatever system is available to them if they have to fight it or if they have to destroy it or if they have to knock it down or if they have to play along with the game and use it. This happened in Lebanon in the 70s when it was the only country in in the Middle East that was democratic. And uh, the Lebanese were very kind to allow... Uh, Islam into their country. They said, hey, we'll be your friends. We will eat your food, or we will let you eat our food. We will let you buy our land. We'll let you vote in our our democracy, have freedom like we have freedom. They did just that. And when they did, they they started producing more and more children. They started to, to plant people from other countries that are Islamic in there so that they can use the system of democracy in order to destroy the democracy, and once they got into power, then they actually applied the Sharia law and and, and outlawed democracy. He, now, the Imam fills the earth. It said that the <clears throat> Imam fills the earth with fairness and justice after the earth would be filled with injustice and aggression. 
So, and that is in one of their their verses of the Majil I can't even read it. So, the apostle, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. The apostolic reports assert that he will reappear with such divine power that all the temporal forces will be vanquished. Quished, he will he reappears not as a preacher of the divine will, as the pretender of Mahdi's or the modern time of modern time would claim. He reappears as a powerful executor of the divine will and command. He reappears as the all-dominating Walayet. His total of reappearance is in the period wherein the spiritual mastership of perfect man over the realm of humanity will be manifested in the person of the 12th Imam, the last uh, vice regent of the, the last prophet. He represents the prophet Muhammad in both name and the real meaning of the word. The prophet Muhammad, as I pointed, pointed out earlier, is the term divinely assigned to the created being who is the first and the last in degree of perfection in the arcs of decent in ascent and who is the highest possible stage of communion with the absolute. So his reappearance is the manifestation of Walayat, mastership, and the prophet Muhammad on earth. Some apostolic reports assert that the time will come when Imam Mahdi will be ordered by God to, to appear on the scene of humanity for the performance of the executive task assigned to him. He will then enter the sa sacred mosque of Mecca and keeping his back to the wall of the Kaaba, declare his appearance to deliver mankind from the miseries of injustice and the licentious existence of the time. So now we see, you know, with uh, 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 the leader in e Egypt that uh, he is actually, uh, the people are crying out for justice, for democracy for what they want to do in their life. It's all the same thing in the dictator in Libya, Gaddafi, um, that they're they're saying it under the, the uh, banner of justice. They want justice and freedom, which really is actually the declaration of the coming of the imam and the Sharia law that they want to put in place. Now, hours prior to his declaration, there will be a similar declaration from the Dajjal, the anti-Mahdi personality. So we have in the Revelation where it talks about a false prophet, and then it talks about the prophet, the Antichrist, and the false prophets. And it says there's anti-Mahdi personality. Both declarations will be heard throughout the globe at once. The chosen devotees of the Imam Mahdi, who are the same in number as the faithful warriors of Badr, and others willing to respond to the sacred call will reach Mecca within a very short time. The communication throughout the world will be very quick. The people will see each other from remote places. Now, this is interesting because this was actually written a long time ago. And now this is possible. Back then, it wasn't really possible for things to... to uh, 
travel very easily or communication throughout the world will be very quick. These prophecies were made and recorded at a time when the natural forces and the means of communication at the disposal of men were confined only to donkeys, mules, horses, and camels on the land, sailboats on the sea, and pigeons, hawks, and other trained birds in the sky. Nobody had even dreamt of the modern means which man is using for communication and contact today. The impossible of that, that time is becoming the simple fact of today. Imam Mahdi combines, it, combines in him the dignity of Moses and perfection, the grace of Jesus, and the patience of, patience of Job. This is what they say. This is actually what they are claiming. And I've got this off of their website called The Reappearance of the Imam Mahdi. Thus, in, in the person of the Imam, the two chosen branches of Abraham's issues are reunited by, by the appearance, reappearance of Jesus to follow the lead of Imam Mahdi. The kingdom given by God to the family of Abraham will be manifested under the banner of Islam, the sole religion approved by God. The heavenly kingdom will be established on earth through Imam Mahdi. He represents in nature... A name, nature, and attributes the last prophet, Muhammad. His leadership will be accepted by Jesus, and other godly men of spiritual attainments will appear on the scene and their own choice. Also, some of their opponents will be forced into the scene by the agencies functioning in that realm. The reappearance of the Imam Mahdi and his reign is termed as Sahu Mahdi. The appearance of Jesus is termed as Nozul Isa. So I I don't know how if I'm saying it right, but it's spelled N O Z O U L dash E Isa I S A. The descendant of Jesus, descent of Jesus. The appearance of Jesus is termed as Nozul Isa, the descent of Jesus. The appearance of the of other persons who died or their wicked opponents is termed Wajat. The process is termed as the minor resurrection. The rule of the perfect man over the world. It has to preserve proceed the major resurrection, the manifestation of the divine kingdom over man and the universe. Now, uh, we're also hearing from other movements, uh, especially the emerging church movement in the Christian sect, it's a, it, I believe it's actually New Age, is also saying that uh, resurrection means something different than Jesus rising from the dead. Resurrection means uh, utopian peace on earth and that we can bring about peace with one another, with nations and uh, peoples and religions. Now, the function of the Mahdi is similar to those attributed by the Kaliki of the Hindus, the Maitri of the Buddhists, or the Christ King of the Christians. And this is really found not necessarily in uh, Shiite religion, but it is, it, there is something called mystical Islam. And this is actually a piece from mystical Islam. This is what they think. And the mystical Islam could be termed as a cult or an offshoot of uh, Islam, just as we consider, well, I would say now the emerging church or the new age. 
which we don't really actually consider Christian. So you can see how Islam, true Islam uh, followers uh, kind of look at them as well. And they have a mystical aspect about them. And some of the, the Shias will have that as have that about them. Now, the return of the Mahdi constitutes the most frequent prediction of the Imams. Al-Qaqtani and the Al-Numani consecrated an entire chapter of Ibn Banyay passed down in 13 chapters of the prediction of the prophets, Fatima and the 11 Imams on the subject of the 12th Imam. The obscure presence of the Mahdi dominates totally the religious conscience of Imamism during the period of the disappearance of Allah and Allah until the return of the awaited Savior. But here and there, throughout the prophetic text, there are hints of esoteric knowledge. This is uh, mystical Islam believes in the knowledge and mysticism and things like that. Uh, and this is where they say the esoteric knowledge is that it is believed that at the moment of birth, a light pierced the top of the child's head, which is the last imam, a possible reference to the opening of the seventh chakra, which is found in um, Hinduism, and reached into the depths of the sky. This child is the Mahdi. He who will fill the earth with equality and justice, just that it's now filled with oppression and injustice. The universal precursor sign of the return of the Mahdi is said to be he who guides consists of the general invasion of the earth by evil and the victory of the forces of evil over those of good. Without such a manifestation, the entirety of humanity would be engulfed in darkness. So what it's saying is that without the coming of the, the Mahdi, uh, evil will over, overtake the earth. Now, how, you know, it, 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 some believe that uh, the Mahdi will unite other religions under the banner of Islam, meaning that they can keep their practices just kind of like the Rome, Roman Empire did. But according to most of the stuff that I have found or read about or studied about, and I'm, I'm telling you my study is um, still quite exhaustive, uh, or, you know, I have a lot to do yet. I pretty much just touched the surface, even though I've read quite a bit on the subject, that uh, that um, in the last days that he will come and, and declare Islam as they write in approved religion, not allowing other religions to uh, be able to be practiced. Okay, let's see where I want to go from here. Hang on a second. I want to, I want to see because I only have about 20, 23 mi minutes, and I really want to get give you uh, uh, the best of what I have. Okay. Now, there is a topic about the imam about whether or not he is going to um, be able to do miracles and if he is going to be able to heal and if he is going to be able to um, 
give life where there isn't. I just read uh, the book by Joel Rosenberg. Love it. Called the the Twelfth of Mom. It's a fiction book and it's about 400 pages long. But I read it in three to five days because I couldn't put it down. But it gives a lot of great insight into this mom, into what is happening happening here on the earth and how it all is playing out. Uh, it also talks about how it shows, not talks about, but shows how this Mahdi will be one of miracles, one to do miracles just as Jesus had done, healing people, appearing to people, uh, declaring a witness to people. Another thing about this book, was, which was very exciting too, is that it showed a lot of how God is actually uh, or Jesus. Esau is is revealing himself to uh, Muslims in Iran. This is uh, a true story of what is happening in Iran right now. Even though uh, we have this conflict, it's like we have this conflict of of Ahmadinejad and the promotion of the Mahdi, and also Jesus is actually appearing to people who are actually seeking the truth and. Um, Jesus introduces himself as, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. They don't. Most of these people who have had this kind of uh, uh, dream or vision or appearance uh, of Jesus uh, are are led to him. They have they go and find the Bible to to learn more about Jesus because in their country they can't do that. But anyway, in this book, it shows how that is happening as well. It's, it's just exciting. So even though it's fiction, it ha- Joel Rosenberg, he has a lot of insight. Okay, the awaited mom, Madi Kuam, will prepare the earth for the last judgment and the resurrection. The battle of Kuam will mark the ultimate victory of the believers against their enemies and the universal and final establishment of the religion of the imams, the community of the faithful, is a familiar theme of eschatology. The Mahdi will do as he did the prophet, destroying that which was before, just as the prophet destroyed the rituals of the period of ignorance. And he will establish once again Islam. Our Quran will repair the mosque and will... Uh, reconstruct his Mecca. The Qayyim will bring a new order, a new book, a new legislation, and a new tradition. So even though it says he's not going to bring anything new, he's going to execute it. Ultimately, he is predicted to bring a lot of new things, new and exciting things to them. The prophet has declared the day of resurrection will not take place until the true Qayyim rises. This will happen when God permits him to do so. Anyone who follows him will be saved, and anyone who opposes him will perish. O servants of God, keep God in your mind and go towards him, even if it happens to be on the ice, for indeed he is the caliph of God, the exalted and glorified, and my successor. And that is supposed to be Muhammad speaking. Now, when I, I got a little distracted because I was trying to speak of if, if he is uh, going to do miracles, there, uh, uh, one of the things about Islam is the holy book of the Quran is considered a miracle in itself. Um, Jesus, all the prophets were given different roles, and Jesus, as, as one of the great prophets, was one that did miracles. 
but there is a there is a thought in Islam that does say that um, that that he will do miracles. According to the Majid Kulper, a scholar who reviewed the relationship between the ancient Muslim writings and new revelations, some language seems to refer to new cognitive powers that may be associated with the rise of Kundalini. Kundalini is uh, actually Hindu, but it's uh, it, it's a false considered a false Holy Spirit. All the faithful joining the ranks of the Mahdi will be gifted with special miraculous powers, in particular those of super sensitive communications with the Imam. Now, in the Facebook, which I probably am not going to have time to even go into this conversation, in this the conversation they were talking about, yes, they do believe they 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 believe the Imam is going to come within the next few years, and there's two separate people in the, this conversation, one male and one female, who said that they actually have seen a vision of the Mahdi, and he ha- is here, that he is appearing, appearing to to some of those, some of them, and telling them what they are to do and what they are to expect. Hopefully, I can get to what they actually said. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, let's see. All right, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's it's actually a very long discussion, and it's pretty pretty neat um, to see. And I I can post this on my false uh, teachings website. Um, I have spiritual visions. This is a woman speaking. I'm speaking the truth. Dajal is already there. He is waiting to come. Two th- years 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012 are the years of full activities for the almighty Imam Mahdi and his trained 313 young magicians. The year 2010 is the year of the dramatic tiger, which begins with a drastic climate changes starting with the global warming and at the end is the beginning of the severe long frost. In year 2010, the Zul month of Hajj was over. The Islamic month, Murham, is coming to an end, but there is still no sign of his appearance in Mecca. There will be two more years for his coming. Years 2011 and 2012 are as the most critical years in the second decade of the 21st century. Year 2011 is the year of, spirit, of the spiritual rabbit. It is the year of the super magician. The passage 11, passage 11, 2012 is symbolically considered as the end time, but actually it's the coming of the new fifth world, the angelic green dragon. Will he be emerging in 2011 or in 2012 or by latest in 2015 as predicted by Bolushchi? Voila, I can't even say the name. Only Allah, the Almighty God, knows. Once he, <clears throat> he emerged in proving his super magical miracle powers, by then he will know. We will know who they, the real king, the Hajjah Masik, and the Yukajud Majid. Forgive me, I can't even say the words. These are names. The new realm will be gained, and the Alubat family will be honored. 
And he says, Shalom to all my Muslim brothers and sisters. Happy Mile Harash fourteen thirty eight and happy new year two thousand eleven. And this was actually about uh, three months ago, two months ago. So this is February, March 1st uh, today and February, January. This was at the beginning of the year 2011. It was a prediction made. So now those of you who are not familiar with Kundalini, it is a corporal energy and unconscious, instinctive, and libidinal force of the Shakti. And it actually is what I said, uh, the the a false Holy Spirit. It is envisioned either as a goddess or else as a sleeping serpent, hence a number of English renderings of the term such as serpent power. The Kundalini uh, resides in the sacrum, you know, uh, bone. It says that somewhere in the body it actually dwells within you. So they're actually saying that whatever it is that comes in you will dwell in you, it will live in you. There is a there is a page called the um, complications of being uh, of having kundalini. It's at hertserva dot com, h e r t s e v a dot com. It says this: there is a great danger in raising kundalini in the first place. It may not turn off, or or the state of it produces may become. Addictive. Having taught upward meditation for decades, I have seen many cases of aborted careers, broken marriages, disassociated psychs, and neurological illnesses that that I believe were caused by Kundalini. And if Kundalini is the soul of Holy Spirit, and if, as the scriptures, Bible, Christian, biblical Bible says, if it is um, demonic. You can see it's actually more demonic position. Now, the signs, there are specific signs of uh, the coming of the last imam. Okay, it says, listed below are the major prophecies of various religions fulfilled directly or indirectly by the great imam Mahdi Sri Mataji Nirmala Divi. Uh, may the Ummah remember what the Quran has said regarding the great event. And Jesus shall be assigned for the coming of the hour of resurrection. Therefore, have no doubt about the resurrection, but follow me. This is a straight way. And that is out of 4361, and I believe it out of the Quran. Another sign of, the, uh, of Allah that indirectly links Al-Qumah and Imam Mahdi is that the path of 1995's total solar eclipse originates in Shiite Iran. Those able to contemplate and comprehend this fact will understand the sure uh, signs of Allah to lead the believers to the reality of the night of power and honor. Shiites also believe that the Imam Mahdi will draw out the hidden essence of the Holy Quran and usher an area of true Islam till the advent of his rule. Not even a single Muslim have, have have been able to explain the priceless parables and esoteric truths of the Holy Quran, and raise the consciousness of human race as it as to its living, breathing, and reality. Not only that, but uh, but she has declared that the message of Al Kawama applies to all religious traditions, barring none. And so this is part of the mystical. Um, Islam as well. Okay. 
uh, one of the sites that I found, Imam Zaman, the last prophet from God, someone uh, that is part of the the Islam said, said this, sorry about my English, I am not that good. All prophets came to teach us a lesson and show us that there is a God and he is watching us. The Islam Muhammad, last prophet of Muslim, came and gave us the book Quran from God. In Christianity, Jesus is the prophet and gave you the Bible from God. But Muslims believe that the last prophet that is going to come is called Zamam. He will not come we come not to give us a book from God, but to solve all the problems in the world. I will be his soldier, and whenever he comes, pray to God. Let the world be a place that everyone will live in peace and let the wars end. We all are waiting for him, Zamam, and will help him to make the world prettier like before. Some on, Someone from earth. That's what he called himself, someone from earth. But he is a Muslim, and he he actually posted this. Uh, I don't even remember where I got it. I do have the website, predictions.org, Amman Zaman, last prophet. He said this on, uh, 2000, in 2009. Okay, when will he appear? From this hadith, it is clear to every Muslim that the 12th Imam will reappear when the world is full of sin and injustice. There are many signs mentioned by the Muslimia. I'm going to have to have a a teaching school with these names. Uh, I wish I had a recorder so I can actually uh, hear them. On the appearance of the 12th Imam, it is reported to Baharal Anwar that after the last promogrid, pilgrimage the prophet made, the holy prophet stood near the Kaaba and called his people to listen to him. The prophet said, listen to me carefully so that you you transmit these words of mine to those who are absent today. And the prophet began, my people, a time will come when kings and rulers will be tyrannical. And we see this in uh, this whole thing being said in Egypt and in Libya. And it's going to come more. There's going to be more. The prophet also said that the payment of Sakat will be stopped. Uh, so, according to the, the Muslim, Muslim countries will seek aid from non-Muslim countries. These are the signs that, that says them that chaos is coming. So, what they're saying is that that um, people will demand that, that, that payment to Islam that's supposed to that's rightfully theirs for submission will be stopped and that has been stopped. According to the Muslim Muslim countries will actually seek aid from bigger countries like the the Saudi Arabia is in alignment with with the United States. Egypt was uh, getting billions of dollars from the United States. Libya, I don't know if we were giving them any money, but uh, we were these countries are all falling now because what has uh, been a sign of the times is that they are actually going to other people, other outside of uh, Muslim countries. Another prediction is that is to come is that 60 imposters were claimed to be prophets by their attractiveness, their persuasion, and their personality. They will misguide the people. 58 false prophets have already emerged since the days of the prophet. We have only two more to witness, and I'm not sure when this was written, uh, but I think that it may have come and gone. It's within the last 10 years. 
It is reported that the Qalyamut, a Sarek sighting, um, has said that the Mahdi will not appear until one-third of the world population will die by being killed, and one-third will die as a result of, of epidemics. That sounds like what it said in Revelation, where a third of people will die and a third of the oceans will will be turned to blood. Uh, and it says this in their, their statement. It says here in Re- Revelation 8:23, the fourth angel sounded the trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, the third of the moon, the third of the stars, so that the third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Um, <clears throat> there is a hadith from Imam Mahada Bakir that for for three or seven consecutive days, one will see reddish yellow fire raging in the east. Sufani will emerge in Palestine, where he will start a revolt. In the month of Rajab, he will be an uncompassionate rebel, and his rule will last for eight consecutive months. He will conquer and rule Egypt for four consecutive months. Sufiani will conquer Tuzania, Algeria, Morocco, Jordan, and Assyria. Sufiani has been specifically described by Ayumama as an ugly, blistered, green-eyed, cross-eyed person who will be an enemy of the friends of the Al but Imam Ali has said, uh, Imam Ali has said that the Sufani's hatred of the devouts of the Al but will be such that any person named Ali Fatima Hussein Hussein Zanab Rekua will be arrested and beheaded straight away without further investigations. Sufani will rip the member of the Holy Prophet, will rip the member of the Holy Prophet, the Holy House of the Prophet, which contains his grave, will be pulled and used as a stable. Horses will be tied in the holy place. So these are quite detailed uh, prophecies of what is coming upon the earth. Some of them, there is a debate of some of these have happened, some will not. The Hazrat, yes, uh, Isa, Hazrat Kizur, Hazrat Ilas, and Hazrat Idris will give allegiance to the Imam when he reappears. Also, Jabril will announce 313 companions of Imam. These 313 companions will be people of eminent piety, great knowledge, and absolutely steadfast in their determination and faith towards the Imam. Another thousand people will be in the army of the Imam. These people will fight battles and kill enemies like Dajjal, who will appear from India. Dajjal will have the musical tunes with him. Uh, then the Imam will lead the prayers, Hazrat, and will be, and will be behind him. And now let us all pray to the Almighty Allah for the reappearance of Imam Al-Mahdi. Amen. And so these are actually uh, things that I've gotten off the Internet, and I've read a lot of books uh, about what the coming of these days. People believe we are in these days, whether uh, we uh, see it or not. So... What is the current buzz? Let me let me go into a little bit 
That's not what, what it says. On Facebook, Mamma D in Mecca, Ramadan, 2010 to 2012. Abdullah, Mamma D in Ramadan, 2010 to Ramadan, 2012. Dear Muslim brothers and sisters, Mamma D is neither a Sunni or nor a Shia, but a Muslim like a Rasul. And Sayyidona Ali, God says in the Quran that Islam is the religion of all prophets and people. Surat al-Imram and Surat al-Madaya. As the Rasul said that all humans are Muslims when born, later their parents raised them as Christians, Jews and Buddhists. Imam Mahdi is expected to appear in Mecca alone in Ramadan 2010 and 2012. He will call for 300 men to support him as the Sahabat or the Rasul in Ghazwat Badir and 10,000 men of the Shahabat in Fatimika, mostly non-Arab Muslims. You can be one of you can be one of them. So this is what he what started this conversation. Hadith of Rasul of the corrupt Olama and rulers which corrupts the world, meaning the corrupt mullahs, priests, rabbis, and corrupt rulers of any nation, Muslim, Christian, or Jew. The signs are completely, completely, especially after the signs are complete, pleading, especially after the Gaza and Yemeni wars. God has opened the eyes of the blind Muslims to the reality of corrupt al-Sad of Saudi, hiding quietly behind the abayat and the hypocrite mullahs al Obain and there's a name for over a hundred years. And so it goes on, and he starts this conversation. And I think there's uh, about 90 different um, conversations going on where people are saying, yeah, they believe it sometimes, sometimes don't. So whether or not it is completely clear in the Quran, we know that today and the events today are actually gearing up, and some people in the Shiite uh, belief system actually believe that they are bringing this chaos to bring the uh, the Ahmadi uh, in appearance. So, as the, the scripture says, and Jesus says for us in the Bible, is to watch. Watch for the coming of Jesus. Watch the signs of the times. Watch and see what happens as we are on the center in the center stage or in, we are sitting in a stand or we are participating that um this is a, a time in which is amazing uh excuse me I want to thank you so much for joining me on as the day approaches and I <laughs> And I uh, thank you for joining me. I'm sorry, I have little puppies and they just had a fit. So uh, uh, I just thank you for joining me. And I hope to see you next week as we are going to talk about uh, the prophets and what they're saying. And uh, prophets of Islam, are we listening? Are we listening to Christian prophets of Islam who are speaking out, telling us what we are to expect? Are we listening to those like Ahmadinejad who's telling us what he's going to do? Or are we going to ignore them like we did with Hitler? Like we didn't, you know, Hitler was specific about what he 
was doing. He wrote the book, but we didn't believe him. Um, Ahmadinejad is specific about what they're going to do. Are we believing them? We have prophets here in the United States telling us, watch out. We're doing what we shouldn't be doing because they were part of Islam, or they were part of the Islamic regime's hatred and punishment. Thank you, and I hope to see you then. Bye now. Thank <laughs> you.